0: This is the motherfucking blood doctor show on a Wednesday as it was and it always should be early in the morning taking a little time off again not for any major reasons just that we had all-star break so not much to talk about in the NBA and also because I just shot the first episode of a new show I will be doing on YouTube called Hustle Points News. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But that took a little bit of time to shoot. That is a video show, not just a podcast. So extra work goes into angles and lighting and all that shit. But good times were had by all. And more of that will be to come. We'll talk about that in a bit. But first, we've got to yell about some stuff. So let's do that. For those of you who are not terminally online, and by that I mean just, you know, constantly living and dying with every single moment of what's the discourse of twitter today there's actually a controversy with a new twitter knockoff called spoutable and essentially the issue is the creator of spoutable has terms of service that are you know not friendly to sex workers um basically preventing you know nudity sexually explicit content things of that nature and it's not necessarily shocking you know we know that instagram doesn't allow that Um, You know, there are other, you know, TikTok does it. It's not shocking. What's weird is that Mr. Boozy is positing Spoutable as this sort of safe space for everyone. Uh, You know, especially on the left wing, you know, you're free from harassment, free from trolls. But apparently that's not true if you're a sex worker. Now, I don't know who needs to hear this, but apparently a lot of people do. Uh, Sex work is work. Sex work is work. And it's really time to end this stigma. It really needs to be over, it really does. We've, it's 2023. I, every single person in the world has sex. Every single person in the world has watched pornography at some point. Perhaps you're not a regular consumer, it doesn't matter. It is a thing that occurs on a daily basis with billions of people on this planet. And we've got to get over the concept of, you know, getting rid of pornography or it's going to go away or something. This is not to say... That sites like Pornhub, which continue to allow people to post traffic girls without verification, should be allowed to exist. Pornhub is a bane, a disgusting. Pornhub is awful, and it's really no one should really be there. Truthfully, at this point, like it's it's a bad place. They continue to allow people to be posted without good verification. Those people have been hurt. It's it's been a horrible, horrible thing. Um, And Pornhub has not really taken a lot of steps to fix these problems. And so I am not trying to discuss places like that. So, you know, let it be known that I understand there are certain issues with certain websites and I would never, ever um, ignore those. So that being said, sex work is still a very valid profession. It's just the truth. Okay. It's whether it's, you know, strippers, whether it's audio pornographers, whether it's OnlyFans, whether it's, um, you know, girls who do a big budget porn, whatever, it doesn't matter. Sex work is work. Whether it's people who have sex for money, which is legal in some places, illegal in many others, whatever it happens. The point is, this is work. And this sort of puritanical attitude of where, well, sex workers are doing something devious and they're sinning and therefore they don't deserve respect. I mean, that's that's insanity. It's literally insanity. Every single one of us has sex. So only the people who are getting paid for it don't deserve protection. It makes no sense. And all these things do is end up to hurt women. Because the majority of sex workers are women. And as we know, women are much more susceptible to violence than men in most cases. So even though we have a large chunk of male sex worker these these days... You know They're just less likely to be susceptible to violence because we know how difficult it is just to be a woman now and how many men are violent towards women in so many situations. So what Chris Boozy is saying when he says that, you know, sex workers can't use his platform essentially to promote their business is he's saying that everyone but sex workers deserve a safe space. And that's wrong. It's just not difficult to create a category where, um, you know, NSFW or pornography or whatever you want to call it, you know, it's not difficult to make like a category or a section where people can go to see that and to have all of those posts be required to go to that section. That stuff is not difficult. And if anyone violates those rules, you kick them off the service. That's completely fine. There's nothing wrong with making sure that. You know, adult material isn't readily available to everyone. That's completely understandable because number one, obviously, not everyone wants to see adult material at all times on their timeline. I understand that. And number two, and more, and this is obviously more important, we don't know how old anyone is at any point who's viewing this material, right? So we don't want anyone who's underage to be, you know, having this material readily, you know, put on their timelines. That's been the issue with Twitter, right? Is that, You know, a person can post porn and then a bunch of people retweet it, and then suddenly it's on your timeline. You weren't even trying to watch porn. So that is an issue, and it's completely understandable. And that's why, you know, having categories or sections or something like that, that's fine. But what Spoutable has done is essentially create this terms of service that says it basically only punishes sex workers. And, you know, a lot of he disagrees with that, and he sort of tried to take the stance of defending the LGBTQIA community against sex workers because sex workers were pointing out those people were on their side. He's arguing for people that he's not like supposed to speak for. It's very strange. Um, so it's just a very weird situation all around. And the simple fact of the matter is you can't pitch your service as like safe for sex workers, if you clearly don't believe that, like if you don't want them to be around or do what they do, AKA sell sex, then you're not okay with them. And the thing is, is he's the one who created this service. He does not have to be okay with sex work being on the service. He doesn't have to allow it. And that's fine. But what he's doing is saying that sex workers are perfectly, you know, fine to use the service, but then essentially his terms of service saying, no, you're not. You, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't have it both ways. And this is a problem in the Democratic Party as a whole, is it's like, we want to be progressive. We want to be leftist, but we also want to cater to the ultra-Christians. You can't do both. You can't do both. And the simple fact of the matter is, is it is 2023. And it is time to acknowledge that sex work is work. And it is time to move on from this discussion. I shouldn't even be having to say this shit. Granted, honestly, all the stuff that I say in the first like 10 to 15 minutes of the show, I should never have to say. This world would be so much better if I never had to have these rants, but so many fucking stupid things go on, I feel obligated. And no matter what anyone says, sex work is going to continue. So you must, you must protect sex workers and you must create safe spaces for them because you're not going to stop sex work from occurring. All you're going to do is make it more violent for women. And every single one of us agrees that. Violence against women is like a number one priority for us to stop. It is one of the most pervasive things in the United States, along with violence against people of color, violence against trans people like we have. It's this is a tough place to live. This is a pretty bad place to live. And straight white men victimize everyone around them. And, you know, this is this is just not different. So. Oh, God. I just, it gets so frustrating. I I just, I get frustrated. I really do. But if you are a liberal or a progressive or a Democrat, whatever you want to call yourself, and you think that sex work is dirty and wrong and it should be kept in places far away from me so that I don't ever have to, whatever, it's, you're just wrong about that. Should it absolutely be kept to a specific category that I have to go out of my way to access? Absolutely. Porn should be on porn sites, right? We, We can agree with that. I'm not trying to show a 12-year-old kid whatever. Everyone agrees with that. When you post these things, it should not be easily accessible by children. Nobody disagrees with that. All I'm saying is we have to acknowledge what goes on and create a safe space. You can't just shove things to the corner and pretend they don't exist. And that's what Democrats want to do with sex work. Because they essentially say to themselves, oh, if we don't really acknowledge sex work and just pretend it doesn't exist, we can still court Christian voters. And they don't vote for you. The people you're trying to court, they don't vote for you. But the Democrats have been infiltrated by so many Republicans that the party just moves further right. You know, this happens all the time. You see someone leave the, Demo- the Republican Party and they become a Democrat and people clap and they say, oh, I'm so happy this person saw the air of their ways. Now they're a Democrat. No. Now they're going to move the Democratic Party to the right. They didn't suddenly change every single thing that they believed. They changed their party designation. And now they're trying to change the platforms of that party. And so many former Reagan Republicans are now elite members of the Democratic Party that the beliefs of the party are skewed. The Democrats are a center right wing party. The Republicans are a crazy right wing party. We have no left wing party. The Green Party, fine. But nonetheless, it's just time for all of this stuff to end. Sex work is work. Work. It is a job. It is valid. It should be legal. It should be regulated. It should be investigated. It should not be used as a cover for trafficking, and sites that allow that should be prosecuted. No question about any of that. But the idea that we can just shove sex workers away and say, you don't exist, we're not giving you a category, all that does is increase violence towards women. And if truly eradicating violence towards women is a priority... Then you need to legalize and protect sex workers. That's it. There's no more to discuss about that. But there is stuff to discuss about this. I don't love going into the negativity of the world. Um, a lot of the times I I bring up situations that I feel like I can you know speak a call to action about. That I can say to you, you know, go run for your local office or I can say to you, protect trans kids and, you know, vote this way and, and you might listen to me and I might be able to make a change. This one, I don't know. Because we've had multiple train derailments in the last few weeks that have had to do with hazardous chemicals. Now, you look into this and apparently there are multiple train derailments like every day. Apparently, the train system in the United States is much, much, much worse than we thought. We knew it was bad because we certainly don't spend the money to keep it up and we certainly don't invest in it like they do in Europe and Asia, but we didn't know how bad it was. And now we're seeing the effects as Ohio and Pennsylvania are basically being destroyed by a hazmat spill. There was a hazmat spill of uh, there was another train derailment with the hazmat. I think there was like a van in in Tucson that spilled. I don't know. There's so many different situations that are just completely fucked up. And George W. Bush and Donald Trump did everything that they could to make the EPA completely toothless, to the point that they they have no power. And you know Barack Obama restored some of those things, but you know again Trump undid most of it. It's not as if Biden has made the climate a top priority. He certainly says stuff like that, but it's you know not necessarily true. And we see these situations and it's just gut-wrenching because people's homes will be destroyed their lives will be permanently altered you you can't just undo a hazmat spill you can't just fix you know water pollution these things aren't just this isn't you don't just solve this and maybe they did every single thing they could to prevent it from being an even worse ball of flames. I don't know. But the problem is the derailment. If we invested in railway structure in this country, we wouldn't have these problems, but we can't do that. We only invest in police and military. That's it. The only thing that we spend money on is police and military. We don't invest in railways. We don't invest in freeways. We don't invest in teachers, nurses, doctors, just police and military. That's it. And You still see kids go join the military and people clap for them. Oh, it's so amazing. Look at what he's doing. He's going to go fight for his country. No, he's going to go protect U.S. oil interests overseas. This country is an embarrassment. We don't even take care of our own citizens. The federal government is charged with taking care of its own citizens. And we don't even do that because we're too busy bombing other countries. You know, we can't solve hunger here, but we can bomb other places around the world. We can send weapons. And, you know, I'm not against some people get angry when we send aid packages to other countries. I'm not going to get angry if we give money to other people who are poor. I'm angry when we give weapons to people in other countries. The Ukraine situation, complex. I don't want to get into that. But we spend tons of money on bullets, bombs, planes, tanks, guns that we give to other countries. And we spend no money on food for our own people. <sighs> we spend no money on our own infrastructure. And this is what happens. And people will lose their homes. People will die. People will get cancer. It is... It is in a... It's... it's I struggle to find words because it's horrendous. And it happens because we don't care. It happens because we allow. We don't show up to vote. We don't care about local elections. I don't give a shit. Not a big deal. I'm just as guilty of this as anyone else. I'm not putting this on anyone else. But. Just They continue to take more and more away from us. And they just shift more and more money. Let's give it to the military. Let's give it to rich people. Let's give it to police. Let's give it to military. Let's give it to the rich people. Let's give it to the police. And they just take more and more away from us. And suddenly our trains are derailing every day. And our children are getting shot in every single school. And there's a mass shooting every single day. And you just click to the next channel. Because that's the regular life for you. That's what it is now, to be an American. There's an oil spill. There's a shooting. There's a domestic terrorism situation. Yep. I know. What happened in the game? Because what else are we supposed to do? What else are you supposed to do? Am I supposed to sit here and cry 24 fucking hours a day? Well, they seem to want you to. Despite the fact that crime is down now below where it used to be, reporting of crime is up. Which means that every single news story you ever hear about is a disaster. Shit, I don't ever open this podcast with great news. So I'm part of the problem. Everything's about how can we report the negativity. Hmm. Well, let's fix that. From here on out, I'm going to pledge to bring some good stories to the beginning of this podcast too. Because everything is rants about how everything is terrible and the world is burning And in some cases that's true, but in some cases it's not. And we need to be better. And one step towards being better is showing the good that's out there. And I am pledging now to bring some of that to this podcast. Because it's getting difficult to talk sports after talking about this every single time. And I hope that all of us will take seriously our local elections, our... Local politicians, the things that they say. Every small little move we can make helps. And it's a series of small things that lead to this situation where millions of people are affected. And I'm going to make one small change here. Bring some positive news into the show. Not today. Didn't necessarily plan that. Whoops. Regardless. Regardless. Let's talk sports. Before we talk actual sports, let's talk Hustle Points News. Because Hustle Points News could be, well, it's not negative. But we're going to take some people to task. The concept of this show is long-form sports reporting with a little bit of humor. But a lot of in-depth discussion of real issues that are related to sports. So... Not everything is going to be like, you know, we're we're not going to sit there and break down, you know, oh, well, the 3-4 defense, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's not like that. First episode is a discussion of Robert Sarver. Everything that he did to Phoenix Suns employees, did to Phoenix Mercury employees, the way that he damaged their lives, the way that he viewed women and men and people of color and... It was, as a Suns fan, it was really difficult. You know, for me, it's, you know, a 17-page script discussing how horrendous this man was. Someone that was, you know, a fixture in my life for 15 years or 18 years as a Suns fan. Somebody that I openly hated, but, you know, I had to deal with all the time. Somebody who I gave money to by purchasing Suns tickets. And it's a disgusting story to say the least, but it's one that needs to be told. One that was told. By Baxter Holmes. And of course, you know, the the thing is, is that ESPN is going to approach everything in a corporate way. They're partnered with the NBA. They can't ask too many questions. They can't go too in depth. They can't question the power structure because that, of course, would you know put their money in peril. So that's what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at this situation from different angles. At least that's the goal. I think the script was pretty damn good. Again, I read it and filmed it myself this week. Um, it will be available all over my social media. I think, I think we definitely asked a couple of really important questions that people were ignoring. I think that it's important to continue to ask these questions because the thing is the Suns are about to go on a run here, right? With the Kevin Durant situation, the Suns are about to go on a run and you can't just like. Have a new guy buy the team, trade for Kevin Durant, and then just sort of erase everything. And as a Suns fan, I don't want to, like, cast a shadow over what's going on. But you can't just, you know, throw this stuff away to history and say, oh, well, it happened. Who cares? You can't do things that way. And so, you know, the goal of the show is to look at these issues, dive in, hit them, discuss them, ask important questions, and, you know, make people think. Um, We've been playing this for a couple of years now. It's taken some time to come together. Bomani Jones, truthfully, has put something together very similar. Um, Certainly not going to be exactly the same. I'm hosting this show. I am in no way relatable to Bomani Jones. That man is a legend. I am just a dude. (laughs) So uh, certainly in terms of comparing things, it's Bomani Jones, and I'm just a guy. So I'm not trying to say that I'm going to have... Uh, you know, anything that I don't know that I have the stage presence of Bomani Jones or that I have, you know. Um, but <clears throat> this is a really, really good group of people that have put this together. I am just the host. Um, I mean, when it comes to the script, I did not write it. Um, you know, I we had a production meeting. We discussed everything that would go on. Um, you know, obviously, I had a look at the script before. Uh, you know, reading it, I, you know, made a couple of little tweaks just in, you know, wording and language for things that I, you know, the way I might phrase things. But, uh, really, you know, the guys who wrote the script are awesome. They did a phenomenal job. We have an entire team. Um, and it, it would take a really long time to go through and list everyone. The point is that it's going to be really good. Um, these guys worked their ass off to put together, uh, you know, a really good deep dive into what went on with the Suns and, I hope that the energy that I brought to it um, was effective, and I hope that everyone who watches it will enjoy. Uh, You will notice on the show, um, I am not the blunt doctor on that show. That was the original idea. Uh, I was going to play the blunt doctor on this show as well, but um, the idea for the show, I'm just going to go ahead and tell this because it's my show now, is that... uh, you know, it, it's sort of a newscastery thing, right? That's the idea is I'm – the the inspiration was actually last week tonight with John Oliver, right? And so taking that and putting a, a sports twist on it, which is then exactly what I think Bomani Jones thing is also HBO, I believe, is exactly what he did. Um, so we, you know, we want to get a deep dive and everything – it's it's a little bit more professional than you know than me and I in, in kind of the early testing phases of it me and uh, the executive producer showrunner shall we call him, call him had a lot of disagreements shout out Rudy about how how I should dress and everything simply because you know I am the blunt doctor and the blunt doctor does not wear a suit, isn't really told how to dress. The blunt doctor does what the blunt doctor does, right? Anyone who knows me or listens to this show knows I do my thing. That's the whole thing, right? That's my whole jam is I do my thing. I don't have ads. I don't have promotions. I just do my thing, because that is who I am. And so doing the show, I really couldn't, you know, that was how I was gonna do it. It was gonna be me. Well, Rudy asked me, and this is why he's the showrunner, by the way. This is why he's the boss. And this is why I signed up to do a show with him. Because here's the thing. Hustle Points News, I don't know what advertising there will be. I don't know how all that will work. I'm not involved in that stuff. I don't run the social media. I don't do the editing. I I am just the host of this show. I may host a podcast for them as well. How that will affect this podcast, not at all. Do not worry. This podcast is, this is always the thing right here. This show is going to run forever. The Blood Doctor show is going to run for the rest of my life, so you don't need to worry about that, both of you. No problems. But I may take on a second podcast under the Hustle Points news umbrella. Who knows? The point is I'm jumping all over the place. I'm really bad at this. Rudy comes to me and says, okay, the Blood Doctor wouldn't wear a suit. Fair enough. But what if you were playing a character that wore a suit? And that was really all the difference that I needed. As long as I'm not on the air tying the blunt doctor to a guy wearing a newscaster suit or whatever, that was all I needed. So um, it's going to be a running bit, I believe, where I have different names and different episodes and we'll probably make a whole thing out of it. And I'm giving you some behind the scenes stuff here because I can. Um, but again, it's good stuff. Um We haven't planned necessarily all the future episodes yet because we just put this one together. And again, I'm not writing the script. So uh, it's some possibility that some of the phrasing, some of the wording, some of the jokes may not necessarily sound like me. Um, There's a whole lot of added fucks. So definitely will feel like me in that case. But Hustle Points News. It's going to be a really interesting show. Long form. So, you know, 20 plus minutes. Um, but look for that on social media. And again, I know that's long, you know. But if you have twenty minutes to take out, watch the show, please do because it's not just me; it's an entire team of people that have worked their asses off to put this together, um, and it's going to be good stuff. So, speaking of sports, I don't want to talk about the Suns all the time because I obviously do on this show. I sometimes it might as well be a fucking Suns post game podcast. But one thing I do want to discuss, I see a lot of people having this discussion is who will be the sun's greatest threats in the west you know it's generally agreed i think with everyone that you know in the east it's celtics Bucks, 76ers especially now with the nets having imploded i don't really think i'm speaking out of turn saying that you know everyone kind of anticipates those three teams but the west is a little bit more of a convoluted bloodbath uh with so many teams you know being you know right there together in the standings and so you know, people are asking the question, who is the Suns' greatest threat in the West? Because I think everyone rightly recognizes that the Suns are the team to beat in the West. But the thing is, that's the wrong question. Because what stands in the Suns' way is health. Knock on wood, but it's a reality. It's a reality of the situation. Chris Paul is 37 years old. Kevin Durant is 34 years old. Chris Paul gets injured Every single playoff run, Kevin Durant has been hurt repeatedly the last few years and hasn't necessarily had the healthiest career. He's had a couple of season enders. I mean, I don't like talking about this stuff, but it's just reality. Okay, it's it's unfortunate reality of the situation. And the Suns made this move to say we're going all in with the big four. Basically, do have four max contracts, which, again, uh, you know, I mean, Chris Paul is not a max contract, but it's damn near a max contract. And Booker is a max. Durant is a max, and Aiton is a max, so for Paul to be damn near a max as well, not, you know, damn near his max, it's, it's a lot of money, and Espia took on like $40 million extra good for him, but it's health, the threat is health, and you can sit here and say, oh, Luka Doncic in the last year, you know, good for you, whatever, you can sit here and say, oh, the Warriors, they you know, they were defending champion." fine, again, whatever, it, it truly doesn't matter, um, what stands in the Suns' way is health. And this is not to say that someone else can't beat them. You know, anything can happen. We saw that last year with the Mavericks and the Suns, right? Like We know that anything can occur at any time. Sports are crazy like that. But the biggest threat to the Suns is health. And the second biggest threat is honestly chemistry. Because no matter who the Suns play, the biggest problem is that they've only got like 25 games to figure this thing out. And that's assuming... That, you know, KD, Booker, and Paul play like every game down the stretch. Now, a lot of people are worried about the Suns' depth. I'm not really worried about the Suns' depth nearly as many other people are. Biombo has been good. Landale's been good. Damian Lee's been good. Okoge has been surprisingly good. Several games he's had big nights where he grabs several rebounds and knocks down a few shots, and Saban Lee's been quality. So... I'm, um, you know, th- these are role players. These are, you know, deep cuts, but it's, I'm not worried about the depth nearly as much as other people are. I mean, you can't just replace Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson, but TJ Warren and Terrence Ross are really nice depth pieces. And oh, yeah, Kevin fucking Durant. So the issue is continuity. It's late in the season and injuries. These guys are older. Those are the things that stand in the sun's way. Again, it's not that they can't lose. To another team that's super talented. And again, one of the reasons they may lose could be health or continuity. But the biggest things that stand in the Suns' way are the situation that is. The fact that it took so long for them to make this trade. And the fact that injuries are what they are. So, you know, it's not a discussion of who. It's a discussion of what stands in the Suns' way. And those are things that they can overcome. Those are obstacles that they can defeat just like they can defeat any team that stands in front of them, but they're going to need a lot to get over the hump. Now, I will say this. I think that having, you know, the best or top three player on the planet in Kevin Durant and the best or top five scorer in the league in Devin Booker is going to make a lot of this stuff easier. And if Chris Paul doesn't have to carry nearly the load that he used to, it really should make his playoff run a lot less of difficulty. So, you know there is that, but again, it's not it's not who, it's what, and and that's really the discussion that should be had. Turning to two more topics here, I find the MVP race interesting. Tim BonTEMPS had his straw poll come out, and it showed that Nikola Jokic has really pulled away with the MVP vote, and he's basically going to win. It looks like. And Jokic is going to win his third MVP. And everyone's excited. And I, I have a few thoughts on this. I mean, number one, look, Jokic is amazing. And I'm not trying to detract from what he has done. And, you know, this is the first year that, you know, Denver's kind of leading everything. And I think that that has a lot to do, you know, he won a couple of MVPs and Denver was kind of a middle of the pack team. You know, he won MVP when his, you know, better teammates were injured. Well, now they've ascended to number one, and this is sort of where this is coming from. But I kind of feel like we've just forgotten about how good Joel Embiid is. I mean, number one, last time they played head-to-head, Joel Embiid dominated that game. And those matchups matter in these debates, and it's crazy to me that everyone has forgotten that. Uh, Number two, I mean, their numbers are very similar. Jokic is putting up 24, 11 and a half boards, 10 assists. Uh, and then Embiid is putting up 33 points, 10 boards, and only 4 assists. So 6 assists is a big difference. Um, but, you know, also 9 more points. Doesn't quite make up the 6 assists. It is there. But also Joel Embiid is in another world defensively from Nikola Jokic. Jokic is a much better defender than he is given credit for. But Joel Embiid is literally good enough to be the best offensive player and best defensive player in the league. Like, he's that talented. And somehow he's just being written off. And the Sixers are having a good season. You know, they're not having... You know, maybe they're not having the season that some people expected, but you're still third in the East. You know, they're 38-19. and They're three games out of first. They're not bad by any stretch. And... You know, figuring out the Harden Embiid thing. Maybe it hasn't gone quite how everyone wanted. You know, whatever the case. But Joel Embiid is still amazing. And the fact that he's basically not in this race, it's weird to me. I will say this. I don't want to harp on this. I do think racism has a little bit to do with this. The fact that, you know, Larry Bird won three MVPs in a row. I mean, I'll let that stand for itself. But the fact that the only people who have come close to this really are nasty when he won two in a row and then, you know, was up for a third but really didn't come close. And now Jokic. The thing is, when Giannis won back-to-back MVPs a couple years ago, there was no chance he was going to win his third one. They, Everyone just wrote that off. They were just like, no. And now Jokic is seemingly in pole position to get it. And sometimes I do feel like white people, especially white sports writers, look at him and go, oh, my God, it's so incredible. There's this big white guy doing that. It's amazing. He's the best. And I do sometimes think that has to do with it. It's like... When everyone compares Luka Doncic and LeBron James. And it's like, those guys don't play anything like each other. Like, they're comparing them from like a basketball intelligence level. Like, they, you know, it's the whole basketball savant thing. They see everything on the court and they're both amazing passers. And that's fair. As passers, Luka and LeBron are fairly similar. But that's like literally it. That is the only way that their games are similar. And people consistently compare them. And it's just like, are you... Are you Are you actually watching? And sometimes I think people just love to compare Luca to LeBron because you know, it's like, oh my God, there's a white guy doing these things. I think people kind of lose their mind over that shit. And I think that white people push. I, I Luca's a very good player, but he is routinely like, well, he's definitely gonna win the MVP. And then his team's like sixth. And yeah, he's putting up amazing numbers because he has ridiculous usage, but his team doesn't win. Yes. He went through my team last year. They went to the Western Conference Finals. I understand all of that stuff. But for all of Luca's incredible numbers, that will happen when you have the ball in your hand every single play. And for all of the—he's able to do it. There's no question. But he's not LeBron. Like, they're not—they don't play the same way. LeBron is a fucking physical force of nature who used to be able to just drive through entire defenses on his own. Luca can certainly back down a smaller player and get a foul call, but it's just they're not the same. And so, you know, I, I think that sometimes there's a little bit of like the best white player will automatically get, you know, put to the top. Now, I'm not trying to say that Jokic is not deserving of being here, but I'm just saying the only guy who's running away with a third, you know, a third MVP trophy, the only one who's even been considered for it. Is why it just, it just, it's, it just is weird to me. Okay. It's, you know, and you can call me whatever. I don't care. But anyway, I don't understand why more people don't support Joel Embiid for MVP. And maybe it's just the wins thing. Maybe they just think by now the 76ers should be in first place in the East or something. But again, that's moving the goalposts because, like, this is the thing with MVP. It used to be like, well, you know, the guy who's scoring the most points. Then it was like, well, it's the best player on the best team. But then Booker was the best player on the best team. And it was like, well, he's not scoring enough points. It's just it's the goalposts are constantly moved. Now Embiid's putting up 33-10-4. and four. He's the best defender in the league, maybe, or one of the two, three best defenders in the league, while also scoring, scoring 33, and he's not even in the discussion. Giannis also basically putting up very similar numbers. It's, it's, it's just strange to me that Jokic is just running away with it. You know, the bucks are 41 and 17. They're certainly not, you know, there are no slouches and the nuggets are 41 and 18. So, I mean, really you know, the bucks technically have a better record. So it's bizarre that, but you know, it's the situation is what it is, but I just think that Joel Embiid is getting forgotten a little bit. And, I kind of think this playoffs is his opportunity. I would love a Sun 76ers finals where KD takes down Joel Embiid and, you know, the Suns beat up on the 76ers. I think that would be fun. And, you know, KD and Joel kind of have a fun trash-talking thing going on, so that would be pretty cool. And I think that DeAndre Ayton has needed... I think a big series against Joel Embiid would go a long way for DeAndre. And, you know, Joel's kicked his ass a little bit in the past. Joel kicks everyone's ass. That's not shocking. But I think D.A. is physically strong enough and big enough to give him enough problems that the Suns will be able to beat the 76ers. But I would love to see Joel display himself as a force in these playoffs. And I do think that's another thing about it is that, you know, Joel hasn't really broken through. And people, you know, continue to judge him for that. You know, they lost in the, in the semifinals to the Hawks, uh, who were the last team I'm going to talk about on this episode. But, you know, I think that loss hurts people's image of Joel Embiid. And while it really kind of hurt their image of Ben Simmons for sure, you know, we all remember him passing up on the shot and Ben has now crumbled into nothingness on an NBA court. Um, it seems that it has colored people's opinion of Embiid because, They seem to want to see him do more in the playoffs before they're willing to give him regular season MVP love, which, as we know, is stupid. But when you're this good on both ends of the court, it shouldn't be this difficult to get MVP consideration. And I just find it interesting. Um, I mean, I would vote Joel Embiid for MVP. That's how I feel this season. And, you know, obviously I don't have a vote, so it doesn't matter. But I just think it's interesting that Jokic is running away with it. When he's, you know, he has the best cast of teammates around him that he's had in forever. His team is finally healthy. So they should be the number one seed. So if anything, you know, that should hurt him. Yeah, you know, averaging the 10 assists a game, he's averaging a triple double, and that's amazing. But again, like he also has a much better supporting cast than Joel Embiid. Like if Joel Embiid. Had, I mean, okay, maybe you say James Harden is better than Jamal Murray. I mean, that's fine. Jamal Murray's coming off an injury. What about Michael Porter Jr.? You know, what about Aaron Gordon, who has really been, you know, was really playing great going into the all-star break? I mean, the 76ers have some de- decent depth, but the Nuggets, I think, are better. And, again, they're not that far off in the rankings. And I just find it weird that Joel Embiid has it seems to have completely fallen by the wayside. And I'm just going to see... I'm going to find it very interesting to see how these playoffs go, because if the Nuggets flame out early again and the 76ers actually went somewhere, I feel like Embiid might come into next season, you know, the lead candidate in the MVP vote, and it might be hard for someone to take it away from him. But, I mean, I'm not trying to predict that the Nuggets are going to flame out early, but, I mean, they have continued to do that. They've got to get They've got to get somewhere before we believe in them. But that's the thing. Why is that? Why is Jokic not being held to the same standard as Embiid? He hasn't been, you know, it's not like he's perennially in the conference finals and been to an NBA finals. Like, it's, you know, so it's, 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 the Jokic and Embiid thing is interesting. And the final discussion of the evening, Nate McMillan has been dismissed by... The Hawks and the discussion, of course, around NBA Twitter is, is Trey Young a coach killer? Blah, 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 blah. It seems unfair. Um, He's had multiple coaches now fired, and he's also had GM Landry Fields taking over for Travis Schlenk. But, you know, the interesting thing is that Nate McMillan is the coach that got them to the conference finals. You know, that wasn't Lloyd Pierce. That was Nate McMillan. So it's a little bit weird to... Say that Trey Young is a coach killer when you know Lloyd Pierce got fired, and then Nate McMillan immediately went on a run with that team to the conference finals, and they had, you know, maybe their best season ever as an organization, or one of their best seasons ever as an organization. It seemed like they were thriving then, and then it just hasn't worked since then. You know, they made the Dejounte Murray trade. Uh, you know, they made the Kevin Herter trade. It just hasn't really worked for them they haven't been able to find the pieces to you know fit around trey young and for a while capella was kind of working and john collins was kind of working and now it's you know collins just seems to be there and it's hard to figure things out and you know the question of whether or not trey young is a coach killer i think is nonsense because he's not um it does seem that he's difficult for some guys to play with because he is so ball dominant i mean it didn't seem, you know, Zach Lowe said on his podcast that he felt like Kevin Herder was pretty honest about how difficult it was to play with Trey Young because you don't get the ball a lot. And we've heard, we've all read plenty of articles about different situations where players in meetings have bitched at Trey Young. I mean, you know, I don't think it's, he has the ball all the time and like he has the ball like a Luka Doncic level and he's not 6'10. So it does, it is difficult sometimes to understand how the team is going to win if they don't do more without him. And that's why they brought in DeJounte Murray and it hasn't really worked. They're a game below 500. Um, I mean, DeJounte has been good. You know, he actually has increased his shooting percentage. He, he was 32% last year from three shooting 36% this year. And that's certainly acceptable for a guy who's not that good of a shooter. Um, But what's going on with the Hawks is just that they don't, seem to have a real identity like we know it's Trey Young's team it's like we know it used to be like all the lobs and you know Trey Young has his floaters and stuff and then now with the DeJounte Murray thing it's like you're trying to play a couple of different ways and figure out how to work them both on ball and off ball and you know it's a difficult thing to figure out and obviously Nate McMillan was frustrated there was the report that he may step down a few weeks ago which they all denied 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 now he's fired instead funny how that goes now, Joe Prunty is coaching the team, who is a career assistant, who's been in interim one other time. Um, and, you know, who knows what the future of, you know, the Hawks coaching situation will be. But it's difficult to put a defense around Trey Young. He's tiny and he's so small. I don't know. I mean, you would basically have to have four elite defenders around him. Because teams are going to attack him all the time. And you basically have got to find a way to shift him off of that. And, you know, I mean, he can bulk up as much as possible and try to do his best. But he's always going to be tiny. And dudes are always going to be able to shoot over him. And so you're going to have to have four really good defenders around him to make that work. And it's hard to get four really good defenders. And, you know, it's also hard to find four really good defenders who are also good offensive players. And it just seems that... I don't think that Trey Young is a coach killer so much as it is difficult to figure out a team around him. And I don't think that the Hawks have gone about that in the right way because they basically have tried to build this thing with Trey Young and then a bunch of other nice players around him without any other stars. And, I mean, you could argue that the DeJounte Murray thing was, you know, a move for a second star. I mean, that's fine. Okay. Um, But... It's not – I mean, it just doesn't – it's not really working. You know, I I think Trey Young works a lot better as a secondary star playing off of, you know, someone else. I mean, if you had Trey Young's passing and his, you know, deep shooting off of another player who was the focal point of that offense, you know, through whatever it may be, cutting, isolation, whatever, I honestly think that that would work a lot better. I just – I don't think that Trey Young is the number one option. I don't think that you can – Win an NBA championship running an offense through a guy that small. I mean, it was like when the Celtics were running their offense through Isaiah Thomas when Brad Stevens was coaching, and it was like he was averaging 30 points a game. And you're just like, how is the dude's five nine? How is this possible? And regardless of however it is possible, you're not, you can't win a championship that way. And I mean, you know, they turned him into Kyrie, who ended up leaving, blah, blah, blah. They're fine right now, but. I think I don't think Trey Young is a coach killer. I think Trey Young is difficult to play with. I don't think he's everyone's favorite dude, but I think he's wildly talented, but I think he's miscast as a number 1 option and I actually think he would be better playing with someone who was doing the majority of, you know, the the at least the focal point of the offense or at the very least at the very least. Okay, in the Bucks situation, Giannis is everything in the offense, right? Like we know that Giannis is the first option. The ball goes to Giannis, he's bringing it up court. <laughs> if they run a pick and roll, Giannis can play, you know, either side. It all focuses around Giannis. But in the last 2 minutes of the game, Chris Middleton's getting shots. I mean, there's no question that if you need a bucket with 30 seconds left and that needs to be an isolation bucket in the mid-range, that's Chris Middleton. That's not Giannis. And the Bucks really haven't had any problem letting Middleton do that. And Giannis has been cool with it. And I think that at the very least, the Hawks need that. The Hawks need a dude who, when the game's on the line, can just kind of get buckets. Like the Hawks need a two or a three who is just a fucking pure goddamn scorer. Like, you know, like, a, like, like an SGA. Like if you had Trey Young and SGA, I think you've really got something. Now, if you've got SGA and anyone, you think you've got something, but I just think that Trey Young is, Maybe miscast as as a first option as a scorer and should be more of a first option as a passer where you let everything kind of flow from his passing through another scorer. And then, yeah, I mean, Trey Young can still score. We know that Trey can score. He's incredible going to the bucket. He's incredible shooting. I mean, one of Trey Young's most underrated skills, by the way, is his finishing around the rim, especially for a guy so tiny. I remember watching him in summer league in his first year and just be like, holy shit, this dude, he's got moves. And it's carried over to the league, it's true. And I just think if you had someone who was there for crunch time, who was a little bit more reliable as a go-to scorer, who can score over anyone, and Trey Young was a little bit more playing off that person, I think the Hawks would be better. I just think the team is poorly built. I think Trey Young is miscast as... first option. He's not necessarily miscast as a first option, but he shouldn't be a first scoring option. He can be a first option in the way that Chris Paul was always a first option because it was his passing that ran the offense. Like even if Blake Griffin was number one on the play, hey, we're drawing up the play for Blake Griffin to score, for example, You know, it's still Chris Paul's offense. And I think that Trey Young can kind of be in that situation where he runs things. He's the architect. He controls what's going on but someone else does the majority of the scoring. He needs a Devin Booker, he needs an SGA, he needs that second dude to be the primary point that the defense attacks so that he can attack off of those breakdowns, instead of everyone keying on him and then them expecting him to just find an open shooter somehow. I don't think it's gonna work, and I think that they need to find someone who can be, you know, that dude. And I think that they maybe thought that Bogdanovich would be that guy, Um, He's good, but I don't think he's quite at that level And I just think they need someone who's Who's really that dude And I don't know exactly who that is for them But I don't think that they have it And I think that until the Hawks figure that out It won't really matter who the coach is And you know, maybe Landry Fields can figure it out The new GM, who knows But I think that until they figure out that problem You know, it kind of is what it is The Hawks will continue to be a mid-league 500 team And that is the Blunt Doctor Show On this February 22nd, 2023 be good to the people around you because it's our obligation to do everything we can to take care of those around us to make them happy to do what you can to make their world a little brighter because if we can all that if we can all do that for each other just a little bit just let's all make the world brighter for each other a little bit things are going to get better in the very least around us and sometimes when things are so fucking difficult in this world that you just want to scream and you see a million things wrong. Sometimes if you can make your own world a little bit better or take care of those around you just a little bit better, it makes all the difference and it gives you a little bit of, you know, a release of some of that pressure because you know what? You know that you did good. So love those around you because that's an important thing to do. Check out Hustle Points News coming soon. You'll see it on my social media. I'll talk about it here again and we will see you soon.